Hello, world. Welcome back to This Age Podcast. I'm your host, Gina. I'm Evelyn. And I'm Angie. Welcome back, listeners, to our sixth episode. Um, thanks for sticking this long with us. Uh, we're going to start with our highs and lows of this week. Uh, Evelyn, you're first on my list. Do you want to go first? <laughs> first on your list of two yep. people. <laughs> All right. Um, my high of the week is that John installed a water line into our fridge and so now we don't have to use a Brita filter anymore. It took him like all day to do it but now you just press the button and the water comes out and who knew that was something that was is so useful. <laughs> and, luxury. Yeah I know. <laughs> and at the same time um, our fridge for the last three years that we've lived here has made this really annoying buzzing noise on and off and it's it's actually pretty loud right angie yeah it's pretty loud and so i didn't think it bothered me until we were able to fix it because we had to pull the fridge out to do the water line and so we cleaned the back and we kind of figured out what was making the noise and now that we figured it out silence has never been so (laughs) wonderful (laughs) and you even get crushed and cubed ice That's right. Oh, we're so fancy. We got two kinds of ice. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that's my high of the week. And my low of the week is so because because um, we've had some mic issues, which I'm sure somebody will elaborate on further later. Um, Angie and I, while we're still living together, we have to record separately. So it's very weird because I'm downstairs in her bedroom and she's upstairs. And it's weird because we're looking at each other through the screen when we're in the same yep. house. So it's kind of sad. Yep. And we spent like half an hour mm-hmm. trying to set things up here today. So oh, wow. cool, mm-hmm. cool, cool. Half an hour. Yep. And Angie? Okay. So my low of the week to finish off what Evelyn was starting there was that we went to try and record this episode earlier in the week, like a few days ago on the weekend so that we could get the episode out on time every second Wednesday or every other Wednesday, just like, you know, you our listeners have been used to. But for another week in a row, we've been late on this episode because that morning when we went to go to record, something was wrong with my microphone and it, my computer just couldn't read the microphone. And then when we tried to plug it in through like a soundboard, then there was this like annoying tiny buzzing noise that wouldn't go away no matter what we did and so it was quite annoying that we like couldn't record that morning and our episode is late but um yeah that goes to my high which is one of two is that I contacted the the brand of the microphone and they're initially I thought they were just gonna repair it for me but turns out they're just gonna send me a brand new one as a replacement and which will save me some time so that's good and then second high of the week is that I got new running shoes today and it was fun because I ran to the store in my old ones and then ran home in my new ones. So yeah, that, that was my high in my and Isaac was carrying yes. the shoes in both hands. Yeah, and Isaac was carrying my shoes. At first he tried to like string them over his shoulder, but then the, 
<laughs> it was so funny. As he was running, the bottom of my shoe just kept like flapping him <laughs> in the chin. <laughs> So he was like running and it was like bouncing on his chin. So he ended up just holding them in his hands. He didn't like put his hands in the shoe and then run and pretend they were like mittens on his hands. <laughs> no, I think he didn't want to yeah. put his hands in my dirty shoes. Oh, well, that's that's yeah. that's weird. That's love, right? <laughs> oh, um, what about you, Gina? I'll start with my low. My low is um, like I have allergies right now and my eyes have never been so itchy in my entire life and so i've been kind of rubbing them and now <laughs> i guess it's irritated the eyelids and so they're pretty dry and now i can see i can see oh, those no. dried like yeah. skin patches <laughs> oh, yeah no. i was looking at them i'm like wow even foundation can't cover this right now so i have to moisturize to get rid of them is it weird, like, moisturizing so close to your eyeball? Uh, it's just, like, in the cor- right above the corner of my eyes. Like, that... Cr- I don't even have a crease, but, like, that part of the... Eyelid. Yeah. Yeah, that, that monolith part. part. And my high um, is... Well, I have two highs, too. I got my vaccine today. <laughs> Yay! The line whoop, was super short. Whoop, whoop. It was, I was in and out within 30 minutes, I would say. Um, yeah. It was oh, great. So and then a uh, funny story. It was when my brother was getting his vaccine, the nurse said, oh, you don't need, it's so easy to find your muscle because he works out pretty often. And so <laughs> she's like, was was she hitting I don't him? know. She seemed a little bit older, maybe in her 40s. But I thought it was so funny. But oh, yeah, okay, he took not. it as a compliment, I would think. But and, yeah. That is a compliment. But, um, yeah. It hurts. It's a little bit sore now, but I'm sure it'll go away. And m- you have to do that TikTok yeah. thing, Gina, where you swing oh, your arm. Like yeah, a I have to do that. But I'm not gonna lie. Even just like raising yeah. it past my ear aches. Does yours ache? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, ours, you, you feel like still, there's yeah. like a bruise, but um. But, but out of the four of us here who got it, so us two and our husbands. The husbands are being much more babies. Oh, really? They're being babies about it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my no way arm to put it hurts nicely. so bad. I can't lift it. I can't grab this thing. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, yeah, raising did, my arm up and down. Did you do that to party? Thing, yeah. Yeah. Actually, Angie did it in the pharmacy, <laughs> and there's a video of it. Which oh, did okay, we show you? We'll show you later. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll show you we'll show you Gina. No it's one else gets this. It's because she was in the aisle. She made sure no one was in the aisle, and then she was like vigorously windmilling her arm. And while she's doing that, this lady comes in and comes into the aisle, and Angie has no idea because she's facing the wrong way. It was really funny. I thought you were gonna say she like knocked over uh, her product. <laughs> oh my gosh, that, that would, would be even that would funnier. Be funny. Yeah. And my other high is up. I got another puppy. Woo. Woo. Yeah, Lulu. Lulu. She, she's yeah, so she's cute. a she's a handful right now, but she is very cute. <laughs> All right. So today we're going to share our personal experiences with something that I think to some degree we've all experienced at some point in our lives, which is 
the pressure to succeed or to achieve certain life milestones at a particular time or generally just to follow a certain path. Um, and I think this kind of pressure can come from our families, um, our friends, or even society in general. So I think we can start off really simple and just ask, what kind of pressure have you faced? And especially when you're younger, because we'll, we can talk about what we, you know, what we faced when we were younger and how that's evolved as we've become adults. Yeah, I think definitely for me, growing up, I don't think my parents were ever the type to, you know, have a specific letter grade or like percent that I needed to achieve on my on my tests or schoolwork and whatnot. But I do think that there was an underlying expectation that I will pursue something that requires a certain level of education and, you know, has a you know, is a professional career rather than anything else. I don't even think that anything that wasn't a professional career was ever, I was ever exposed to. So I didn't know growing up that I could be other things other than, you know, an engineer, doctor, lawyer, like very stereotypical. And I think that's because they were under the impression that those are the careers that will set you up for the most success financially and, um, you know, everyone I'm sure shares the similar sentiment in that our parents just wanted us to be able to, you know, be better off than they were and to have to have more and to be able to be less worried about finances um, since as immigrant parents, that was something that was always on their mind. And so I think what I felt, what I, what I, looking back now, what I realized is that I just never was exposed to anything beyond professional careers and that in turn translated into a certain amount of pressure on my schoolwork because you need those grades and you need those extracurriculars and you need certain skills in order to be able to pursue those professional careers yeah it's it's weird right because if I think about it um I don't think my parents specifically said hey you should become an engineer or a doctor or yeah. a lawyer or whatever like no they never actually explicitly said that but you could tell like you know if you're thinking about a certain career path like they would be more happy about a specific one um and it's weird too because I don't think same thing as you I don't think they explicitly ever said oh you know we want you to succeed or we need you to be this or this but I did feel that underlying pressure to get A's in school to be at the top of my class to you know to do well and make sure that I get into university you know like it's it's very strange that in my head if I'm thinking back on it I can't pinpoint specific things but it's just like I knew that was there the whole time kind of like mm -hmm. hovering over me I would agree too my parents like your parents never said become I want you to be this or I want or study this no I never had that pressure but I did like my parents would always at least tell me like you've been giving these you've been giving given you've been given these opportunities um and we created these opportunities for you so don't lose it like take it and make the most of it um so with that I kind of always knew I should take opportunities when they arise like do my best um maybe that's where my mentality comes from and so I think I put a lot more pressure on myself like 
oh, I need to do my best. I need to try my best in order to really take advantage of this opportunity. So it puts me in, you know, ahead or puts me on this road of success. I was just gonna ask, were you guys like straight A students when you guys were kids? Um, or like pretty much? <laughs> um, <laughs> I peaked at grade three for the first time. <laughs> that was my first. Oh, I actually have a really funny story. So there was this guy whose last name also starts with an L, and so um, yeah. I got our, we got a report cards, and so I opened it up, and I was so bummed out that I got like. C like equivalent to C's and C's right and so I was like oh okay I guess I got C's right but then I noticed that wasn't my name and so our report cards got mixed up and so we that night we uh got our report cards um switched and everything and so we met up and we switched it I mean and so um (laughs) I looked at it and I was like oh my gosh I got A's (laughs) for the first time but (laughs) I would say I, I would range from A's to B's. <laughs> but university had some C's and D's, not going to lie. <laughs> like, no, I'm, hey. just, I'm just trying to like remember when I started caring about marks. Because I think even like, yeah, when I was in like elementary, like in second or third grade, I always wanted to be like mm. the smartest kid. You know, I always yeah. wanted to be to have to have the best marks. I don't even know how you know. I guess you would ask yeah. your friends what they got on tests. But I remember mm-hmm. in like, in grade two or grade three, we had we would do these, like, math math things. Oh. No, I'm from a different yeah. province. Oh, I know those. She's Gina. from a different province. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Um, but we do these like math thingies, and if you finished first or you finished early before like the time was up, you could go and play on the computer. And mm-hmm. the guy I sat beside, uh-huh. like my desk partner, he was like so smart because he knew abacus, abacus. and stuff, and so he would always finish. Yeah, he would always finish math first, and then one time I beat him, and then I was able to go play on the computer. <laughs> but yeah, I think yeah. it's just that mentality. Like I always had this need or desire or this feeling that I had to be the best, the mm. best at school. Yeah, I totally agree. Like I did charter school for grade one and grade two, and then after that, my parents took me to. This is in the least arrogant way possible. They But they took me to get testing for like this gifted education program, whatever that means. Not that I believe in it. But <laughs> and so then ever since grade three, I was put in a classroom that I was told was because I was smart. And so suddenly I think that was what made me feel the pressure of I need to live up to this expectation of oh, I'm whatever, quote unquote, gifted or, you know, academic academically I do well and so for me I remember ever since like grade three or grade four when we were in grade three and grade four it was we only got graded on like a numbers base like on a Mm -hmm. scale of one to five five being the best so we didn't actually get like a percentage or like a letter grade Um, but then I think by grade five and grade six because you're getting ready for the provincial exams that's when we switched to like a numerical grade and I remember like there was like a group of me and like five other girls who were part of that group that excluded me. If y'all remember episode <laughs> four, episode four. <laughs> and yep. Yeah, and then we would, we would just compare every single exam, every single like thing. We would compare all of our grades and that continued on all the way up through junior high. And then by high school that like 
weaned off a little bit but that same desire to excel to a point that is like completely unnecessary maybe was still there and that carried all the way out for me through university until like my last two years where I finally was okay Mm -hmm. not seeing an A grade and that sounds very boastful but I mean it in the sense of like it wasn't it wasn't like I selfishly wanted it I don't think but I think it was programmed into me that that was the only acceptable Mm. grade to get interesting when you were mentioning junior high um I was like oh I think I started getting a little more like oh I need to do well I need to be in the 80s or in the 90s because in junior high they start introducing honors with distinction or honors systems right and because of that I'm like oh I want to be the top I want to achieve that like milestone every year and so I think that drove me and I think it probably drove a lot of people Hmm. um, when they were in junior high. Yeah same for me I think you know how people always ask like I think what you were saying Angie like people always ask like oh what did you get what did you get at the when you get your test back or whatever um and i'm i'm sure i did the same thing and you knew who the smart kids were so you would ask them first so you could try to see what they got and see if you got better than them and then like if you yeah. got worse you'd be like i'm not telling yep exactly yep 100 yeah. percent. Yeah. yeah i think for me it definitely i've i've always had that and i think it's like a semi like perfectionist thing but i've always i've always wanted to be the best at the things that i do um and yeah getting below an 80 even getting below like an 85 or like not getting an a it like (laughs) it hurts yeah it hurts you and yeah i i I can't i can't really pinpoint exactly why i feel that way because and i think it's like also maybe it's like a it's a innate character that all human beings have I think that too (laughs) but I think it's also like the people I grew up around like everybody had that same drive and that same determination Mm -hmm. and that same need to succeed that I think if you're not a part of that it feels weird you know if you're like oh I actually I hate school or I want to be an artist (laughs) you know it's 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 Mm -hmm. kind of strange yeah so how do you ladies think you sort of dealt with it that internal pressure that you can't really you know put a finger on how do you think like what what kind of not coping mechanisms but you could almost say coping mechanisms did do you think you grew up with that you know might you might carry with you still today coping mech oh yeah i can go first (laughs) (laughs) um so i think for me like kind of exactly what Evelyn was saying like it took me a really really rough past year in order to finally begin to let go of that perfectionistic mentality that drove me for like ever since like grade three and being okay seeing mistakes and being okay with not doing your best at everything because you simply don't have the capacity to and I think one of the things that I had always told myself and that my parents had always told me was if you're gonna do something like do your best at it right and so 
but there's just simply too many things that you have to do especially if you are trying to you know achieve a certain level of success or you know get into a certain career that takes a lot of work there's simply too many things that you need to be perfect in that no one I believe has truly the energy or the capacity to do sustainably for a long time and so yeah I think that really negative almost like inner voice was what I carried away from my childhood was just this always constant nagging of I'm not doing it well enough and I'm not doing Mm -hmm. this good enough I think for me I probably had that same mentality all the way up until I got into university and I think it's it's it was the failure that I encountered that kind of made Mm -hmm. me realize that a there's no possible way you can be the best at everything or even for one thing you know how hard Mm -hmm. it is to be the best at one thing almost impossible um and to be at the top of your class for every single class like university you could take multiple classes in different disciplines or whatever so the chances of you doing well in everything is again almost impossible right and so yeah like when i went to into university i did an english degree and I got like 70s in my first year. I did I did so bad. And now I say it, I say I did so badly, but it's probably actually not that bad. But like I got like below below 80 for most of my courses, especially in English, which I was like, "Hey, that's what I went to university for. I should be I should mm-hmm. be really good at it, right?" But I think it's just a different environment. There's so many more people. There's so many different factors because, you know, you move away from home. You're living by yourself now. There's so many different factors that factor into why you may not do as well as when you were in a smaller high school. Um, but I think having to deal with getting bad marks and getting bad marks continuously, or at least bad marks in my head, um, really helped me to accept the fact that I couldn't be the best at everything and that it's okay mm-hmm. not to it's okay not to be the best at everything and it's okay for you to do badly sometimes you know you that's how you learn resilience right you pick yourself back up and you keep on going even if you suck suck. at something (laughs) (laughs) like I took a film class I don't know why I took film it was the most boring class I have ever taken like we watched these really old black and white movies movies with no sound and I like I swear, I fell asleep through every single movie because they would always dim all the lights. Hello, at it was a seven p.m. <laughs> class, um, and so I did really badly in that course. But I can, but at least also now that I think about it, it helped me realize what I did mm-hmm. and did not like. Right? I I knew I didn't like film studies, so you cross that off the yeah. list. But yeah, <laughs> for me, how did I deal with uh, Asian pressure or just pressure in general? Is um, I think it's mostly from, I think it stems from what my parents told me when I was younger. So I grew up in a smaller junior high elementary school and I did, and then starting um, junior high did pretty well in school. And they would always tell me like, oh, when you go to high school or university, you're um, it's going to be a big change. You're not going to be the smartest frog in the pond. You're going to be, you know you're going off to a bigger pond this like ocean and you're not going to be the smartest one there because there's so many other people and so knowing that um I was I kind of always told myself I'm like okay I'm just average I'm not like extremely smart and um 
I really didn't do well in social studies and English. Uh, those were my least favorite courses. And so just getting those, because my grades were so different between those, but um, between, like just among my classes, um, that also kind of gave me perspective like, oh, I'm not good at everything. Like no matter how I, hard I try, it doesn't work out. So I kind of started accepting that. I'm like, okay, whatever, I'll be okay. As long as I try really hard, I'll be okay with the outcome. And so that was always my mentality, even throughout um, high school. I'm like, <laughs> those English diplomas, I'd be like, okay, Jesus, take the wheel. I'm just going to write some stuff down. Hopefully it makes <laughs> sense or whatever I'm saying. And even in, um, so I, that would be my coping mechanism that I uh, created for myself growing up. And I still use it to this day, I would say, um, in my job, especially in my job, Um I always try, I always give everything my best um, when new projects or tasks come. I just try my best and hope it works out and it pays off in the end. But not sure if that's the right mentality or coping mechanism or how I should deal with it. (laughs) I don't think there's one right way. I think there is healthy ways and there are less healthy ways. And it can be hard. It can be hard to understand how to deal with this pressure and the stress yep but i guess to a lighter hearted question why do you ladies think that these terms of like tiger mom um things like that that describe specifically the pressure of asian kids that they get from their parents why do you think those terms kind of have come up in the most more recent years because true well it's crazy right because i don't know uh i think when i was growing up i knew so many kids who would be in school obviously and then they would also probably go to like chinese school or korean school and then they would also be in a bunch of extracurricular so maybe sports and then they would also have like a math like a cumon or a i don't know what else there is but we would always be involved in so many things. So I feel like a lot of my friends who were Asian that I knew were all involved in so many different things because our parents were trying to, and in, and in the best way possible, they're trying to give us the most opportunities so that we can succeed in whatever way mm-hmm. works for us. But I think seeing that and seeing how much pressure they put on kids to do well in almost everything, I think that's kind of where that tiger mom mentality comes from do you does do either of you think that kids of other races not to diminish their experiences or anything but do you think yeah children of other races receive that same kind of pressure and if not how come just based on your own experiences when you're growing up so my theory, this might come across, well, maybe it's because I don't have that big understanding of other cultures and how the culture, what not culture, but ethnicities and how um, their race or ethnicity dealt with challenges. I don't know any of that history, but with Asian or at least Korean history, um, I think because Korea... They had World War, uh, Korean War, and uh, ever since then, everything was very difficult. Um, kids, like, 
I know like one grandparents didn't stop going to school to support their families and that stuff because they were they had all these challenges at a very early age um I think that's why when they had kids they wanted their kids to have all these opportunities that they didn't have or that they were missed that they missed growing up and so I think that's why there's this kind of pressure and also economically it wasn't doing well and so they wanted their kids to do well so they can support their family and have a more comfortable life so I think that's where Asian pressure comes from I might be wrong it's my theory (laughs) is that because a lot of us have immigrant parents they worked so hard from nothing to get to the place where they are where they are able to pass on or allow their children to you know experience more opportunities have more Mm -hmm. just have more right and so they want us to succeed so that not not so that they they can feel good about it I think well that might be the case in some cases but I think for the most part they they don't want us to have to Mm -hmm. suffer like they did you know have to really work and grind and do that kind of thing when hey look we've we've done that so here are these opportunities we can give you now because we Mm -hmm. were able to do that for you but I think it's also like historically women weren't allowed to work they were more you know what's that word they're supposed to be housewives and stay home yeah housewives and stay home raise the kids right and so because their life is just so evolved around their kids. I think that's what created this kind of, you know, control and um, that phrase tiger mom. Do you guys know any, or maybe you experienced this, but do you guys know any kids that had tiger moms or had experiences where um, their parents put a lot, a lot, a lot of pressure on them to do well? Um... I don't you do I think so I think I know yeah I I there are definitely some within like my closer old childhood friend circle group that I feel like definitely experienced that more so than I did and did those like their parents were way hmm. stricter (laughs) yeah actually my dad was really strict when I was younger but I don't think it was because he was trying to make me succeed he's just strict (laughs) but yeah and did those kids grow up to be like very successful people yeah one of them works they both work in big fortune 500 companies doing professional careers (laughs) so i can't tell if they enjoy it but (laughs) they're in it (laughs) yep they're in it did you guys ever want to do something that wasn't a professional career not (laughs) until i stumbled upon pilates (laughs) how about you evelyn no and that's what's crazy is that it never even crossed Mm. my mind you know like i would have Mm -hmm. never been like oh i want to be like a tradesperson or i want to i want to be an artist you know i i would have like it, it wouldn't even have entered my mind to think that that was a possibility or that that's something I could pursue. Also, because I'm not very creative or artistic or anything like that. But that just was never a thought that crossed my mind. And what's crazy is that 
everybody I know from my childhood friends mm-hmm. that I grew up with, every single one of them is in a professional yeah. career for the most part. Almost every single one. Yeah. And it's, Mine as well. It's crazy. Same here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. For me, what I realized is that because just like both of you, 99.99% of all of my friends are in some sort of professional career, either, you know, being a doctor, being a lawyer, being an accountant. They're all doing some sort of professional career. And I basically chose to not do that for the time being and not, you know, and pursue Pilates, which is definitely not, I don't think, considered a professional career in that sense. But what I realized is that through that, I naturally, actually, truly found a more, you know, professional career that I might want to pursue in conjunction with my Pilates. And and I think that for me, I feel so much more settled in knowing that that will be worth, you know, the hard work and that will be worth, you know, the, the tuition and all of the things that go into pursuing a professional career because through this non-professional passion, I found the path to the professional career I might want to have versus in the past, you know, I used to dream about being a doctor, but I think much only because of what I was told growing up and and then the second I, you know, entered my university program that was, you know, supposed to set me on the path for that, I realized that that was not at all what I wanted to do. But now it feels like I've genuinely found a desire to to pursue that regardless of whether or not it was it's seen as a professional career. Which I think is something that, you know, non-professional career choices can actually expose you to. But sometimes until you have that exposure, you know, it's hard to develop that natural affinity for, you know, X, Y, or Z professional career. Yeah. And I think that's great Mm -hmm. that you found something because I think there's so much pressure when you're in high school, which means you're 18 to know what you want to do for the rest of your life at that point, or to find the major that's going to be the thing that you do forever. Like I can't even Mm -hmm. imagine that kind of pressure on an 18 year old right you don't even know who you Mm -hmm. are yet and so it's it's good to know that you know doing something that you love can lead to doing something in a career that you love Mm -hmm. and also it just kind of shows you that no one has the same path to getting wherever they are intended to be or their career We talked a lot about our childhood experiences with pressure and we I think most of us said that we not really can't pinpoint a specific area of where this pressure originated from and so now we're adults <laughs> do you think you're able to you know have a better sense of where this pressure comes from so at least for me, I think I think it's still from the same place. 
I think it still comes from myself. <laughs> the pressure that I put on myself. Because <laughs> I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I always feel like I need, I'm rushing to get to this place of stability, this place in my career where um, I'm doing I'm doing awful, uh, well, I'm successful, I'm growing and all that stuff. Um, that pressure I put on myself for sure. Um, but also societal pressure, I would say, like seeing that, oh, my group of friends or like people my age are at this point of their lives. So I should also be at this point in my life. But but then, yeah, like I said, no one has the same path to, <laughs> to getting where they're supposed to get to. Yeah, I feel like now as an adult, definitely the pressure from your parents eases off because, you know, we're able to support ourselves and, you know, we're creating our own lives now that are are quite in general separate from that of our parents. And I think more so now these pressures definitely come from, you know, what we see in society, what has always been, you know, glamorized, what is you know, well accepted and then beyond that also our close friends and our communities as much as they are our sources of support they're oftentimes the the easiest places to compare mm-hmm. yourself within is between your close friends and yeah and it, it gets hard because I think coming back to our fourth episode if you haven't listened yet it becomes so easy to envy you know someone you know because you see the fruits of whatever they're doing right you can you 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 interact with them and um, you can see the material things and um, and so it becomes easy to develop that envy unless you are working just as hard to achieve that for yourself yeah for sure I think for me it's it's mainly people around me that make me feel like I should be in a certain place or have certain things you know locked in at this at this time in my life um but also yeah I think like Gina said from myself as well like I I still have that desire to to be good at something you know like I still I don't (laughs) want to suck at stuff still so like I still have that internal drive to to still do the best I can at mm-hmm. whatever I'm doing. So do you think um, growing, well, comparing yourself now to your kid version, do you think the pressure has changed in the sense of like peer pressure? Do you deal with peer pressure more or less? If so, do you think your coping mechanism also changed? Hmm. I think I deal with it less but still in my adult life I still deal with it like even even after so I graduated with an English degree right so after I graduated and I took a year off and I didn't have anything to do was working at a spa um you know all my friends were either still pursuing like a master's or a professional degree or something like that and I definitely felt like mm-hmm. left behind like what am I doing working as a receptionist at a spot not not to not to make that a bad thing but I just like I at that point for myself I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life 
And I remember everybody asking me afterwards, like, oh, like you have an English degree. What are you going to be? Like a teacher? Like as if that's the only path that could possibly come out of being, of graduating with an English degree because there are no other professional degree or careers to come out of being in English except a teacher, right? And I used to hate that question because I was just trying to figure it out figure out what I wanted to do myself but everyone was like trying to tell you like oh your English degree Mm -hmm. is useless blah 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 all this stuff um so I think I think it's really just coming to terms with figuring out what you want to do and then not letting other people which is sounds so basic like not letting other people sway the things that you (laughs) want to pursue then how did you um end up finding your path in law how did you stumble across well, it <laughs> see the thing is that I also didn't stumble across it like I I knew I wanted to be a lawyer when I was in high school though now if I had known what that meant I'd have chosen differently <laughs> but um again in my head I know lawyer is a professional career right so I did apply to law school out of out of university but I didn't get in anywhere so I was like oh great now I'm like gonna do nothing for the rest of my life because I don't want to be a teacher um and so I was so I think I was just brainstorming things I could do and I really liked um a particular uh a particular field of study when I did my English degree and so I applied to do a master's in that one but at the same time I also applied to law school just as like a last (laughs) kick in the can kind of thing and and I got in so wow yeah but and and I, th- I think my decision to do that though was was uh, probably based on the fact that oh crap <laughs> I, I'm going to be doing nothing for the rest of my life maybe I'll be a receptionist at the spa for the rest of my life and that to me seemed very sad because the environment was a little toxic but yeah, for sure, my decision to pursue like either a master's or a law degree definitely came from feeling like I needed to do something more, you know, and I don't know. That's that's just kind of how I how it happened. But I'm not I'm not mad that it happened. Yeah, I think for me, I definitely do still feel that peer pressure I think it it's in a very different way now I think when we were young it was you compared a lot on the little like on the little things like your grade on a certain exam and then your grade on like the provincial exam and then what school you get into and as you age the scope of comparison just enlarges and you do less of it day to day right you don't you don't talk to your friend and like what Dyson vacuum do you have? And like, you know, you don't compare on those little things anymore, right? But all of those little things add up and 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 there, it creates like this image of what your life looks like to your friends and outsiders. And you compare on how great your life looks like on the outside. And and I think it it's almost like a, a bigger monster to tackle because... Mm. Now, all of a sudden, like, you have to keep up this image that resulted, we're not trying, no one tries, not many people, try to create this image 
purposefully, right? It just results from all of the little things, right? Like if if you're gifted a really nice appliance or something, or, you know, if you decide to treat yourself to a certain designer purchase, or like all of these little things that don't have any weight on who we are as people suddenly all add up and we're judged on this on this image that appears out of nowhere and I think it's almost harder to deal with now than you know all of the like I got 83 on my exam and you got 85 on your exam like you guys only got 83 I'm just kidding (laughs) yeah right it was 97 99 (laughs) (laughs) and so but I think what is different now as an adult is honestly like back then as a kid like you know I grew up Christian but I didn't really have a faith that was firm to stand on right because you're still learning when you're a kid and you haven't gone through enough to fully experience God and I think now though as an adult even though the scope of that pressure is larger and um, I feel like I have I truly have God to rely on and he is someone that even if no one else sees the truth about our life, even if, you know, none of what we do meets other people's expectations, he sees the truth for what it is. And he sees our life for how it truly is. And that's all that will matter in the end. And so in terms of coping, coping mechanisms, I have God now as an adult and I can understand and I have that relationship um, And that helps a lot, I think, with the pressure. Yeah, I I, I definitely agree with you. There is this pressure to live a certain way. And even like, yeah, the Dyson, right? Like, would anyone show off their, I don't even know what a subpar vacuum. Their V15 versus their like, you know, shark. (laughs) Hey, we have a shark. Um, (laughs) Our other one. Yeah. But yeah, like it's, it's. I, I understand what you mean by it's on a larger scale now because it's less so about like your marks or whatever, but it's more so about every little thing, right? Like your bed, what you're wearing, how you look, um, yeah. everything is scrutinized and you always feel like you, you always feel like you have to compare yourself to other people because that's, because that's mm-hmm. what society has embedded into our yeah. minds. Mm-hmm. Instagram is, is. is awful. You've become more materialistic <laughs> in a sense. Like I need to have all these materials to achieve certain kind of status or or even just sorry to interrupt you there Gina, but even like another thing that I find that like yes, the material things are so much of what like we compare ourselves to each other on nowadays, but even the things that should, you know, should not be influenced at all by the people around you. Things like, you know, if you're in a relationship, the, how your relation, how, how good your relationship looks and how, you know, how healthy of a marriage do you have, you know, on the outside as compared to these people or those people or, you know, like your family and like how tight knit of a family do you have versus other people and it's, everything is on display now. And, you know, I say that knowing full well that I am, you know, I play 100% into that. And I'm one of those people who, you know, who posts things like that. But at the same time, like that is one of the other things that I feel like is just, 
it's, it's crazy like how much we will judge ourselves based on what we see of others material things or immaterial things and we let ourselves feel badly about things that we aren't succeeding so yeah say you had a fight with your husband so you guys are not doing so well right now or I don't know yes anything like that right you feel you feel extra bad about it because you know that that's not the way it's Mm -hmm. supposed to be rather than it being a thing that you're working out working out working working through working yeah, 100%. not working out well i guess that works too but yeah yeah you definitely feel i think you got, well definitely you two have different types of pressure than i do because you are all at a different st- stage i would say in your life um <laughs> but that's i don't know how you guys do it, it sounds super challenging <laughs> to be honest <laughs> Well, I'm sure you face just different types of pressure, but still pressure, like for you mm-hmm. to succeed in your right. career, for you to... But your pressure... You know, mm-hmm. have the best Meets, doggo. But your pressure is more... It's not yeah. just pressure on you. It's a pressure on you and your partner. And you and your partner both have to work through your pres- this kind of pressure together. And your coping mechanism may not be the same. And so a lot of um, yeah. I mean, coordinating... It- it is interesting because all of a sudden you're not only dealing with the individual pressure you feel, but you're in you're as a couple, you're dealing with the pressure of creating mm. this life that you think everyone wants to see. And but the way that you and your partner go about that yeah, can yeah. be very different. And so <laughs> I, I do think that that does add a an element of complexity. But 100 percent, I think like anyone who isn't in a relationship yet still like deals with all of those pressures and they deal with a different set right like if if someone were to be actively looking right they have the pressure of when am I going to find a partner when am I going to be able to start a family when am I going to be able to start having those other pressures right Mm -hmm. it's just a different set of cards so then with all these pressures that you have um you mentioned and well Angie mentioned that with God she's able to get about she's more grounded and able to navigate through it a little bit better because she has that direction that um from God or just knowing what the direction is so then how would you so I guess that helps you um put a healthy balance between um being able to resist that pressure and keep trudging on versus letting that pressure get to you. So then with Evelyn, do you have like a couple, do you have a similar mechanism or a strategy? We'll be wrong to say not if I didn't, (laughs) but besides that, I think, I think, my whole life I've tried not to not to care about what other people think of me I think that's a a huge thing that I carry with me all the time and sometimes it's like it's not the best thing either because then I'm just I don't really I care more about not people I care more about the fact that I don't want people I don't want to care about what other people think of me rather than just living my life but but I think it has helped me to a degree to kind of just pave my own path 
and do the things that I want to do and try not to let external pressure sway the the mm-hmm. choices that I make. And so, I don't know. It that's a it's such a hard thing though because I totally like I totally echo what Angie said about you know you you're trying to create an image right and that's that image is what you present to the world and you don't want other people to think something mm-hmm. different of you. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because I definitely do that too. Like I definitely have a specific Evelyn that I put out to most people, <laughs> you know, um, and it's hard for me to let people in or open up to a point where I could actually 1000% be myself. Like I try my hardest, right? But I think it's hard not to let other people's opinions factor into how you look at yourself and how you want other Mm -hmm. people to perceive you. What about you, Gina? How do you find that you, what, what things or what mentalities help you find that balance between you know, letting that pressure mm-hmm. give you momentum and also not succumbing to the pressure. To a certain extent, I I would say I agree with Evelyn's. Like, I have the same kind of mechanism, like trying not to let external influence my decision and what, it, what I let external, what I let um, the pressure influence me, like to a certain, wait, did that even make sense? Yeah, I know what you mean. You're like, you know what those external things are and you and you you can pinpoint them. So you make yeah. sure they're and not And then if you. it's a pressure that I want, then I'll let that pressure me. Let, does that make sense too? <laughs> like, um, oh, yeah, because I think pressure is important to have, like to a certain extent, that stress because it drives you. But at the same time, like if it's unnecessary pressure, like, oh, I have to look a certain way, I have to... Um, or just like I have to keep up with my appearances or that kind of stuff like I I would say it is not very healthy in a sense because you're letting society determine that rather than um, you and so how do I strike a healthy balance I think it's just (laughs) I don't know if it's a healthy balance but (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is actually a tough question. Who came up with this? <laughs> I don't. Uh, maybe the answer you just is go with the flow. <laughs> honestly, it's 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 probably really really difficult to it have a is, healthy yeah. balance because because even if you're on the spectrum of you you care so much about what other people's people think that's not good. But then if you don't care enough about what other people think and you don't you know you then you have like no drive or no determination mm-hmm. then that's also bad right so I think it's hard to kind of meet in the middle and it's just kind of day by day I think recognizing the pressures that affect you more and recognizing why they affect you you know like is it because you're insecure about something or is it because you keep comparing yourself to a certain person or a certain image that mm-hmm. you want to achieve and finding out what the root of that is. Like, yeah. why do you want to be like that? Yeah. You know, and then kind of figuring that out, I think will help to 
balance mm-hmm. it out better. Yeah. So like for an example, like if you have pressure on yourself to, um, I don't know what kids have these days or like what younger generation has, but um, pressure to buy something because everyone else has it. Like that's not a healthy pressure, I would say. But if it's pressure that comes mm-hmm. from pressure that makes you grow as a person or you know I think that would consider healthy yeah and I think every everybody has a different definition of what will be good for them and what won't be good for them and yeah Mm -hmm. but it's hard I think the journey is hard and it's good to have good friends around you too who can kind of call you out on things or Mm -hmm you know, help you out when you realize you're struggling with dealing with a certain certain type of pressure. I think it's really important to mm-hmm. have support and to be open about the things that you're struggling with so that you can be supported. Yeah. Yeah. And that wraps up our episode about how we deal with pressure, whether it be from our parents or from society or from creating a certain type of image of how we want to present ourselves to the world. And I think... It was really nice to listen to your experiences, you know, how how it how you guys have evolved from when you were children and kind of how you deal with it now. And I think it's great that we all can support each other. Yep. Anyway, thank you for listening. You can subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or any other podcast platform you listen to. You can follow us at This Age Podcast on Instagram. All right, we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye!